passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This Monday, the man is back in your life a multiple time journalist of the year who always responds when I put out that signal, but I am very, I am very judicious when I do put out set signal. He is here, Ariel Hawani. I thought, Ariel, this was a big moment, the next chapter of your career that it warranted uh, a stop by post-wrestling off-season, so to speak, where I will not be asking you for any predictions for the year to come. But welcome back to post-wrestling. It was great to have you. This is already your second appearance this year, and we're not even at the end of the year. Yes, uh, I was going to mention that. Uh, first off, great to talk to you. Great to be back on. Uh, I was waiting for the invite because it, it felt apropos to stop by post wrestling. Um, obviously, big fan, and uh, do that before the official start of the new era, the new chapter. Uh, you often like to say that you only bother me once a year to come on your program. Technically, I think this is the third time because I believe the prediction show was at the beginning of the year. You are correct. And then the April stopped by and now this. I mean, it seems as though we need to, uh, you know, <laughs> rejigger that relationship or at least the terms of the relationship. But I'm happy to be here, happy to be on. And uh, I'm assuming we're going to talk a lot of uh, WWE, AEW, a little SummerSlam because I'm all in. As you know, I'm all in. In fact, I'll be at SummerSlam. How about that? My first trip back to Las Vegas since March of 2020 as I walked out of T-Mobile Arena after Israel Adesanya and uh, Yoel Romero fought at UFC 248 will be for WWE SummerSlam 2021. Who would have predicted that, John? If you and I had been doing our prediction show at the beginning yes. of the year <laughs> and I said, Ariel Hawani's next trip to Vegas it's going to be one or the other, SummerSlam or Conor McGregor's next fight. I don't know how many people would have been predicting SummerSlam over McGregor or Dustin Poirier. No, I wouldn't have predicted it either. Did we talk about my employment situation on the prediction show? Because that would have been a fun one. It was not brought up because okay. afterwards you said you made actually some comment about, about that uh, privately to me. And then in April, when you came on for the uh the well heralded post podcast yeah. day headlining our very first post podcast day uh that is when i did without knowledge of what was going on at the time ask you that you're coming up on 3 years and i did not know your contract was up and you responded that this has actually been something that has been on my mind of late and yes. and thus i guess you were just in the midst of like, where were you? Like, like, let's go back to this was the be the first weekend of April when we had yeah. you on last. What's going on uh, in the world of Ariel Hawani professionally? Yeah, I mean, you totally uh, struck a nerve and not in a bad way, because I just left a friend's house where we were talking about what I might do. And, uh, and then I came to uh, to do the podcast. At that point, I was pretty certain that 
my time at ESPN was going to come to an end. I just didn't know what direction I'll be going in. Um, I, I was pretty certain that my time at ESPN was going to come to an end. I would say, okay, so I won't say certain. I obviously started thinking, okay, let me take a step back. Sorry for going. It is a lot. Uh, I, I was kind of jokingly predicting to people, people who you know, that I wouldn't last a month at ESPN, like when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, not because of them necessarily, but I just like, I just have a feeling that this is, I'm not going to last a month here. And of course, I lasted the entire time. I lasted all three years. And then like, you know, when you have these contracts that, um, and, 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 and by the way, that's why, just to, to, to let the people know, like, that's why I try to do as much as possible in that three-year period. The majority of the stuff not in my contract, the majority of the stuff I was not paid for or whatever, but I was just like, I don't know how long this is going to last. So I had a very YOLO approach to it all. I want to do ESPN radio. I want to do outside the lines. I want to do an E60 profile. I want to do the NBA. Like I need to get as many of of these things under my belt because I don't know when the rug is going to be pulled um, underneath me. Perhaps that's, you know, stemming from my experience at Fox um, so around last summer, August, that's when you start to think, all right, contract, you know, 12 months left, this and that, you start to think. Um, but because of the pandemic and the way things were going, usually in the past, you know, these conversations might start seven, eight months before, six months before, but it wasn't really going that way because, you know, there was so much to catch up on for the company. But that's when I started to think, okay, what would I like to do? What makes me happy? Um and at that point, that's when they they restarted DC and Hawani because DC and Hawani was pretty much like a placeholder for Ariel Hawani's MMA show right, uh, right. during the pandemic. Um, we started in March, just from you know my spare bedroom, his kitchen, and uh, in September they signed DC officially. Like for that period there, he was just kind of doing it as a buddy. Um, and it was still under the Ariel Hawani's MMA show umbrella, but they actually signed him to do this and they rebranded it with the logo and the intro. And uh, that started, I think it was like the week after Labor Day, that like official launch, if you will. Uh, and in my mind, I was like, all right, well, we're not going to launch something and then I'm going to leave in a year. Like that makes no sense. So I was thinking, all right, you know, things felt like they were kind of all coming together. I had my Monday show. I had, uh, you know, the Wednesday interviews. I was doing NBA, this and that. Like I was like, all right, man, you know, actually, I think I'm going to, this is actually going to turn out better than I had initially thought. And the first few months of like that new, you know, September, October, it was going pretty well. But then, you know, a few things happened in the early portion of 2021, which made me start to think like, okay, you know, maybe the future isn't here. And then by the time we get to April and then May, um, it was obviously very clear. And that's when I really had to start working on trying to figure out what I'd be doing next. And um, I really took that upon myself. Like I have representation, I have an agent um, or agents, but uh, I did the vast majority of the reaching out, the conversations. Like I wanted to feel the situations. I wanted to talk to the people. I wanted to know what was... Uh, you know, what was on their mind, what they had planned. Like I did all of that. And so, you know, it was a little stressful. I'm not going to lie between having a job, being a parent, all that stuff. And, and obviously trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. But, 
and I know I'm skipping a lot, I, I couldn't be happier. And, and there's part of me that often thinks like, I can't believe this happened. Like, I can't believe it. I, I keep referring to it as a puzzle. I can't believe that the puzzle pieces fit quite like this. When it comes to ESPN itself, are are you having th- those talks? Are you leaving that t- to others uh, in terms of like the dialogue back and forth as th- that final year is progressing? So when it comes to ESPN, there's sort of there's sort of a system in place, and so that was like the one entity that I didn't have the talks with that I left it up to the agent. Um, I think is a good move as someone like on a much smaller scale that had to go through some of these renegotiations. Like it's, it's not fun. And it's like, just like, you know, you're pretty much, it's like going through an arbitration process, but you're you're representing yourself. And that's, you know, in, in at least the Canadian market, that's kind of what a lot are kind of left to do, but it's not an enjoyable process. No, not at all. Um, And so, you know, if you want to, if we want to break the fourth wall here, and go step back. I don't know if anyone cares about this, but I, I enjoy talking to you about this stuff. I I never wanted an agent. I never really felt like I needed one. But um, you know, around 2014 or so, 2013, 2014, when I started to work with Fox, I started to realize like you kind of need, you know, you, you need that backup, you need that buffer, you need that person yep. speaking on your behalf and whatnot. Um I had talked to a couple people, and you know, I'm I'm just maybe I'm like overly emotional and stuff like that, but like, I, I want to connect with someone, right? Like I don't, I don't just want to be, Oh, a client and uh, Mr. Hollywood agent guy. And this person comes in, does a contract and leaves. Um, so actually the, uh, the week of Rhonda Katzingano, UFC 184, uh, I met with a guy who you may have heard of named Nick Khan, uh, who I Rings think is a bell. A, yes. yes. Uh, and, uh, and that's when I agreed to uh, go with CAA. CAA was my first, um, you know, my first agent agency, if you will. Uh, and so I worked with Nick and two other people there, uh, a guy named Matt Olson, another guy named Tom Young. And uh, I was with them up until this year. Uh, Nick obviously left to go to WWE in uh, August. Well, he, is he in WWE now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. so he, he he landed on his feet. <laughs> yes. What I liked What I liked about Nick was that you know, you meet sometimes people in the broadcast business and whatnot who are obviously well-versed, very well-connected. He was the most connected in that Definitely. world at the time, but don't know anything about fighting, don't know anything about MMA, don't know anything about boxing, certainly know nothing about wrestling. He knew every like that we would, we, we hit it off right away because he's a Vegas guy, Pacquiao, you know, uh, did some work with George, like he knew all this stuff. And so I thought that was super cool and would be beneficial to me. And I had a, a great relationship with him. Um, and he left and I, I was not mad. I mean, like, I was you know, like, how could you begrudge someone? He went for another opportunity. There were no hard feelings. And, and so when he left in August and we had a great chat about it and everything, um, you know, I thought maybe, okay, maybe this is a good time to like make a move in terms of, go with different, you know, I'm about to come up at the end of the contract and everything like that. Maybe this would be a good time, but I didn't. Um, but then in, in, uh, early February or so, I, you know, I finally decided, all right, I'm going to make a move. And actually for a little bit, um, I kind of just did everything on my own. Uh, I didn't have an agent or anything. And that's when I reached, I I pretty much like made like a list of every single place that I think would be good to work with. And, um, just started reaching out to people. 
Uh, and I know that might be weird. Like, you're like, hi, I'm Ariel. Would you like to talk about working together? But it's just the way I wanted to do it. And it worked out. And then over time, I ended up uh, signing with ICM. Great, great people over there. Uh, actually, coincidentally, Nick went from ICM to CAA way back in the day. Um, and so now, so now I'm with them and it's all good. And I, I have a great relationship with Nick. And uh, I feel like, you know, you need sometimes that buffer, you know, obviously with contracts. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how to read that stuff. So it was beneficial. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I really like, you know, I know what I want. If I go to an agent, I'm like, oh, I want to do uh, an MMA show. And I'm like, it, it's not true. My path is not traditional. My job isn't traditional. And so, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to go to this network and do that. It, it, I know what I want. I know what the fans want. I know how to cover this sport. It's probably the thing I know. I think I know the best of anything on this planet. I'm bad at finances. I'm bad at, you know, like, like mortgage. I don't know any of that stuff. I don't know stocks. I know how to cover MMA. Um, and so I really wanted to kind of figure this out on my own. And, you know, so, the, so let's go back to the question. The ESPN conversations I left to the agents. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it kind of became, and, and again, you know, there's like this, this, uh, this, this, this theory out there that they fired me. They didn't fire me. The contract came to an end. They offered me a contract. It was less than I was making. That was, you know, a little bit mind blowing at the beginning. You could come up with the theory that, you know, they wanted it to be less so that, you know, I would leave. It, it was still, it was still money that a lot of people would be very happy with. It wasn't a huge pay cut, but it was a pay cut. And like, you know, I, I think I deserved a pay raise. And I'll be honest with you, John, it was going to take a lot. It was, it was going to take more than a pay raise to come back. Uh, I just wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with, um, you know, you know, all the stuff, uh, feeling like I was being censored. I wasn't happy with, uh, being at home and doing the shows, like I didn't sign up for that, you know? Uh, and th there looked like there was no end to that in sight. Um, I, I just, I, I want to cover the sport the way I want to cover the sport. I want to be free. I want to be uncensored. And uh, I want to cover other things outside of the UFC. Like I want to cover Bellator. I want to cover PFL. I want to cover uh, Cage Warriors, whatever. And uh, it was going to take, like e even if they offered the same, even if they offered a 5% raise, very good chance I, I'm not coming back. So the pay cut, the the salary, it meant nothing. Uh, in my heart, I felt like uh, it was time. And again, sorry for going long winded. No, I'll just be appreciated. I'll, I'll just be honest. Like I knew in my heart, there were a couple of moments where I knew it was the end. The beginning, the first time I really knew it was the end. If I'm being a hundred percent honest with you, was with the the Gina thing. Um, you know, Dana White says what he has to say. They don't say anything. And here I was for the past two and a half years talking all the time about how they had my back. They had my back. It wasn't Fox. And then finally, when they say something, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's, what was it? You know, like it was Ariel's a great colleague and a great reporter, which had nothing to do with the situation. And then I was like, all right, I get this. They're in the live rights business. They're in the subscription business. They're in the pay-per-view business. I don't really have hard feelings. I don't, I don't have hard feelings. I want people, like even when I was on Levitard's show with the mask, Ariel rips ESPN. I wasn't talking about ESPN there. That was all UFC stuff that I was talking about. ESPN was caught in the middle. And I heard from all the executives and I heard from all the people, this isn't personal, but they had to make a decision. They've got a great situation with the UFC. They're selling all these pay-per-views. The plus numbers are amazing. And you've got this one little thorn that's, you know, the catalyst for these 
phone calls and these complaints and all this stuff, of course, some guy at the top is going to be like, all right, so if we remove this guy who's making this much, you're going to tell me that everything's going to be hunky dory. Like, of course, like let's, let's maybe not, you know, let's maybe not piss off the ones that we're making billions of dollars with and, uh, and figure this out. So, you know, that's, that's, but that's kind of when I, I figured out like, all right, you know, the side has been picked and, uh, I, th- I think that could have been handled differently. I was I was disappointed, but you know, water under the bridge. Um, in terms of you know the the last when you made the move to ESPN, I mean you had you had spoken to us. It was you know you pretty much finish up at UFC two twenty five, and then you're going right into ESPN. In this scenario, you've had this bit of a buffer period, and you've still been active. You've been reporting stories. It's not like you've just turned your phone off for for two months, but tell me what this transition has been like for you to kind of uh, put your foot on the brake a little bit and and have a little bit of a time to sit back after these three years and and take your breath and maybe have some, have a different perspective as you're now going into this instead of diving headfirst. Oh man, it was really, really needed. I made a big mistake when I went from, and you know, hindsight is 2020. I I would do the same, but you know, last day at, MMA fighting was June 14th. First day at ESPN was June 15th. It was just too quick. And then like the first show was two weeks. It was all too rushed and too quick. And so this time, you know, I remember uh, talking to someone and being like, man, you know, hopefully this is before the summer. Uh, you know, the, last summer we didn't get a summer, right? You know, because we couldn't really do anything and the summer's coming and I love the summer. And, you know, I'm hoping to go to Canada and all that's going to be ruined because I'm going to have to start a new job and I'm not going to be able to do this and that. And, uh, then it occurred to me, I was like, just start when you're back, like go to Canada, do your trip, take a breath and just go when you start. And to the credit of all the people that I'm working with now, like they were like, oh yeah, of course, no problem. Not one person, you know, it came up like, oh, you you think you could pop in for like the Connor fight to do a couple? I was like, yeah, of course. But other than that, I was like, take your time, man. It was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and I, I felt like I needed it after the past year especially after like the few months leading up to the end at ESPN, it was just very, very stressful. And I really wanted to be able to go home and see my family with a clear head. Honestly, I would have loved to have turned off my phone. I just don't know how to do it. I would have loved to have not reported anything. Um, I just don't know how to do it. Um, But I obviously wasn't, you know, like taking a break from booking guests and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's a huge weight uh, off your shoulders. And it wasn't a hundred percent of a break in the sense that like, there's a lot of planning, right? Like I'm, there's planning for the return sure. of the MMA hour, the Spotify stuff. So like I was very much, there was at least multiple zoom meetings a week and stuff like that, but it was different kind of stuff. It was exciting stuff. It was new chapter stuff. Um, also my own podcast stuff, trying to figure that out. So it's a lot going on, but uh, definitely like the break from the beat of MMA and following everything and staying up and the events and all that was much needed. And uh and 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 definitely a good choice in my opinion on uh on my part to take that break and you know this wasn't a part of the plan but it kind of something that i realized afterwards you know leading up to now i've 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 not taken more than a week or two off since 2008 
And so, yeah, you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder, right? And now I get really nice messages from people like, oh man, I really miss you on Mondays. Please come back. Like, I'm a fan of podcasts. We talk about this all the time. And if my favorite podcast went away for two months, that'd be a bummer, especially in the sport where there's no off season. So it's nice to feel wanted and missed. And I think it, it, it kind of worked out really, really well. So, um, re- I'm so grateful that they let me do that. I'm grateful that I did it. I'm thankful that it all worked out. And then getting to go home for a month, like it couldn't, uh, I, this is like one of the best summers of my life just because of everything coincided. It could have gone in a totally different direction and not been good at all. But, uh, yeah, it, it really worked out. And I'm really, really happy that I was able to have that mental break. Yeah, I think that that it, it was something I, I learned too, that when I left the fight network, it was almost instant into planning everything for post wrestling. And I was just so wired to be in this routine, like day to day, like I'm going through all the news. I was like, I'm not even like putting this up on a site or anything. It's just like, I wanted to be on top of everything. Yeah. And if I could go back I certainly would have taken more than like I gave myself like a day or two to kind of just exhale and then it was right into it. And I think that having a longer period of that, I think would have been beneficial for me, at least personally. Yeah, I would recommend it if you're able to do it um, to anyone. You know, I always had a fear of like, if I go away, will people remember me? Will they just move on? Um, I was like, very afraid of that, especially in the early days. I have to be at everything. I have to do everything. And it was just great. I mean, I'll be on like <laughs> the event on, uh, on Saturday, the pay-per-view, like, you know, I was tuning in here and there, but I wasn't tweeting about it and stuff like that. And it was just kind of nice to not have to do anything for a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Really, really nice. Um, and, and, uh, the break of not booking guests. Great. Very much enjoyed that, not bothering people, enjoyed that. And now I'm going to get right back into it. But yeah, it was, it couldn't have worked out better. And especially with it, like we, uh, you know, we hadn't gone anywhere. And then um, a few days after, you know, my last day at ESPN, like we just took a road trip to Boston for five days. And it's honestly one of the best weeks of my life. Like my kids didn't expect it four hours away, walking around. Like it was just so, it was so great. It was really, really great. So I thought that I would be like down. I thought that I would be sad. I thought that I would be anxious, all this stuff. And it couldn't have been, you know, it couldn't have been more of the opposite. It, it was just, it was just amazing. One parenting question I have for you yes. is that myself and my wife, we are embarking on a road trip at the end of August. It is a three and a half hour drive with a four-year-old and nine-month-old. Easy. Crazy? No. Easy? Okay. Done, I mean, we've done seven hours to Montreal and and it ends up always being like 10 with all the stops. Uh, your wife may have to sit in the back with the nine month old to entertain at times. That's almost a given. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, three and a half hour trip is not going to be three and a half hours. Like I'd be shocked unless you're timing it during the nap and or at a special time, you're going to have to stop, change diaper, bathroom, this and that. Like I would say, you tell me after three and a half hours, I'm going to say five and a half at minimum with the stops. This is the, this is the bit that's going to get picked up by all the sites. I yeah, this is it. big. This Everyone's going to run with this. This is the first one? Uh, for This is the most significant road trip we, we have gone. To, certainly with the nine-month-old. We have, like, right. we, we have not gone on much um, vacation-wise just because of, well, I mean, last year, that yeah. was kind of out of, the, out of the question and we haven't been... We have not gone anywhere far. This is like our furthest that we're going to go. I mean, it's it's not crazy. We're not like leaving the three province and a half or anything. Is, yeah, but three and a half is nothing. I mean, uh, 
yeah, you, I mean, if, if you time it well, it might just be one stop. I would be shocked if you don't make any stops. But this is actually like a constant debate with my wife because she likes to drag it out. Like she wants to stop here. We just drove back from Montreal. And if it was up to me, like we would eat in the car, you know, we'd pee in cups in the car and we would just go straight. Um, of course, I'm joking about the peeing part, but you know, but she wants to stop. Like, oh, there's a there's a lake over here, and there's an outlet over there. I'm like, geez, I just want to get to where I'm going. Um, so, I mean, it's hard, but you know, it's harder with kids because you know they have to go to the bathroom. You say the 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 the, the classic is always like, does ever, anyone have to go to the bathroom? And like, two out of the three say yes, and then literally 20 minutes later, the other one says, I have. I was like, I just asked you. I, <laughs> you know, you know how it goes. So. Uh, going ahead, the MMA hour is back on Monday, but you're also adding the the Wednesday component yes. as well. So tell me how you're you're approaching this this gigantic undertaking once again for you, and not making it like I have to climb climb Mount Everest every Monday. That it's this giant thing. Like how are you managing the two? Like it is going back to you know a pretty significant routine of yours. How are you? What what elements are you changing to maybe alleviate some that's on your shoulders? Yes. Uh, so actually, you know, when I was uh, when I was deciding what I would do and talking to all these people, I mean, you name them, I probably talked to them in some capacity. Um, I kept, you know, I wanted to have an anchor, like you know. So I was I was big on the idea of having this puzzle where I would do this for this person, that that person, and it kind of had the freedom and all this stuff. Uh, and I feel like that's the way media is going. Um, to a degree. And so I wanted to have like this anchor show slash podcast and then have these other things around it. And for the anchor, I kept like trying to ask people questions and figure things out. And it was all what I had at MMA fighting. All right, what's the studio? What's the personnel? What's the platform? Blah, 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 blah. And then I just had like this epiphany. I was like, why don't I just go back to Vox? I love that studio. I helped design that studio. I only got to use it for a year. It was just perfect. It's in Manhattan. Um, it's just, I, I love the vibe. I love everything about it. Why don't I just go back? I don't know if it was around. So I reached out to them. They were surprised. Um, and I said, I'd love to talk about just doing the MMA hour. Nothing else. No events, no writing, none of that. Just want to do the MMA hour. And so we started talking. And then I threw out the idea, I'd like to do it twice a week. Um, because I used to have to load the deck on Monday and it's super long. And then if you can't get someone on Monday, you got to wait a whole week, blah, blah, blah. So what if we do, instead of doing like one six hour show or something like that, why don't we do two, two and a half, three hour shows, Monday, Wednesday, split it up, all that stuff. And, uh, they were very receptive to it and, and it was great. So that ended up being the anchor. And so what I like about it is, you know, I'm going to shoot for, I, I was just joking with someone else about this. Like I I'm tempted on this coming Monday to have like eight guests just to like load the the deck, but I'm going to, sh- I'm going to, you know, practice restraint and shoot for four to five max every episode, make the interviews a little longer, make mm. the show a little shorter. So two and a half to three and then not have that. Pr- so let's say some, let's say surreal gone wins on Saturday. He's flying home on Monday. I'm like, you know, usually I'd be like, fuck, we get you in the Oops, Sorry for swearing. Uh, rarity from yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that. Um, can we get you know? Can we get you on uh, you know the airport at the airport or something like that? And uh, you know, I I now can say, oh well, we have a Wednesday show, and you could just do that if that's easier for you. So it, I think it's going to be a lot better and uh, a lot less stressful. And you know, 
Monday a little bit look up, look back. Wednesday a little bit look ahead. Doesn't necessarily have to be that way, but I've always liked the idea of doing more than one. There was a brief period <clears throat> in the AOL days of the MMA Hour where it was Monday Thursday. It, it maybe lasted six months, um, and then we kind of got away from it for whatever reason. So. Uh, I really like it, and I got to go back in the studio this past Monday, and it was just so nice to be back in there with all the stuff up and everything. So, yeah, I can't wait. I'm not really – I thought I'd be dreading the, oh, my God, I have to start booking people again. Um, but so far, I don't feel that way. I, I feel like the fans are really excited about it. It's the nostalgia. It's an old friend. It's a little bit of a new twist on it with a, a new logo and stuff like that. But um, – the excitement and the reaction to it has been amazing. So that that gave me a lot of confidence that I made the right choice in terms of that one puzzle piece. So next week will be Monday, Wednesday, and then on behalf of BT Sport, you're going to cover SummerSlam in yeah. Las Vegas. So you are just next week, you're mm-hmm. just going right into the deep end. Yep, and we're talking on Thursday right now. I don't, I don't know if uh, this comes out this week, um, but I like officially launched my Substack page today which is my my um, my writing puzzle piece, if you will, arielhawani.substack.com. I'm excited about that, where I can just kind of write about whatever I want. So that's already started. Um, Monday, MMA hour. Wednesday, MMA hour. Thursday, go to Vegas till, um, till Sunday morning and then go back at it. Uh, and then I have another trip planned for the following week which I can't quite talk about just yet, uh, but hopefully soon. And then I have, uh, you know, the Spotify stuff that we're doing uh, that we've already done one set of shows for the Connor fight, but it'll really start in um, probably for the Darren Till fight uh, against Derek Brunson. And so I'm really excited about that. And then I have my own personal show, the Ariel Hawani show that I'll be doing on my own YouTube channel, uh, the Ariel Hawani uh, YouTube channel and the podcast feed is already up, so you can subscribe and follow right now. Dude, are um, you are you aware that when you made your announcement of all your plans coming up, you have since that announcement, your YouTube channel has jumped like twenty three thousand subscribers. That is surprising to me because I've really added nothing to the page. You, you had a video that was like, "Is this thing on?" Yeah, and it turns out, <laughs> yes, it's very much on. Like you're, you're, you've topped a hundred k just with the promise that, "Hey, I've remembered this channel and I will yeah. be using it again." And on a personal note, to just slightly digress, your YouTube channel. This was a revelation for me last year when I was doing that uh, Silva Sun and retrospective uh, audio thing. Was like that a great history of MMA is that channel. Like you have every event labeled and I go back to UFC 117 and I've got the pre-fight interviews. I've got the post-fight interview. It's like the story of UFC 117 is there. Yeah. It's wild. Cause you know, when I started my career, no one had YouTube channels. And so when I was working for fan house, they're like, Oh, you have YouTube. We'll just put the videos on yours. Mm -hmm. So I had this, this it's amazing that you had all of that lives there for you. And I'm just so glad that you, left the channel for this time and now you can, you know, it's refocus. Great. Yeah. I mean, cause usually you start your own channel, you, you know, you're starting with two, two, two subscribers, a thousand subscribers. So yes, I, I think when I, when I dusted it off, it was at like 80 or 82 or something like that. And that's a great starting point. Um, and even the, you know, I posted the video that I, I, I reposted the video that I posted on Instagram about me leaving ESPN and then where I was going and it's shot vertically and people are like, Oh, you idiot. Why would you do it? Vert-? It's because I did that for Instagram. And then it just occurred to me. I was like, Oh, why don't I just throw this up on my YouTube to get it rolling? 
Um, and even from that, like I can't, like, you know, cause I've never really done it, you know, and when I was post, I didn't touch that YouTube channel for 10 years. And so when I was doing it, there was no like Google AdSense and stuff like that. And like all of a sudden I got like a check, nothing crazy, but I was like, wow, I got, I can get paid for this too. This is great. And that's not why I did it. I don't, you know, it, it's maybe very- Jacob Volkman uh, gets a cut. Yeah. That, that, that was a, your, your interview clip that uh, made the tonight show. Yes. Uh, the Obama clip, um, the spirit of that YouTube channel which is honestly one of the most exciting things that I'm about to do is very much, I know you'll appreciate this in the spirit of what Jerry Park was, which is I don't care if a million people go to those shows or five people. To me, that is just going to be my personal little playground to talk to people that don't fit in the MMA silo that, you know, you know, sometimes I would have these guests on my show, like, I don't know, Travis Barker, you know, like the celebrities action Bronson. And I would always have to wedge in the MMA talk because it's an MMA show. Now I just want to talk to them about life. I want to talk to them about interesting things. I want to talk to authors and musicians and comedians. Like I'm really excited to book those guests, different people that I always want, you know, and, and that's where I'll do like a little pro wrestling stuff as well, boxing stuff, NBA stuff, just a hodgepodge of things. And, and if you like my style of interviewing, hopefully, even if you're not interested in Mr. X, you'll take the leap and, and uh, check it out as well. We'll see how it goes. It, it could be a bust, but I'm, I'm very, very excited about it. And uh, it's, yeah, it's great to have that, you know, that cushion of a hundred or whatever subscribers right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, for, for my interest, like I'm, I'm most intrigued to see the success you find, like with the Substack and, and YouTube, like that's your own thing. And I, I think, you're going to be really amazed with, I think you're going to direct a lot of your audience to those things that I just think you're going to have like just a personal connection with a lot of these people because you're really starting like the Substack. You're starting that from the ground up. And I think that like when you are in terms of like, just you have a big breaking news story, like is Twitter still going to be like, where's your, like, what are you doing when you have a big story like that? Is it going to depend? Do you? No, I'll go to, no, it's, it's, it's actually perfect. Like people have asked me like, when are you, how are you going to decide? It all fits perfectly. MMA interviews, studio show, podcast, MMA hour, right? If uh, George St. Pierre comes to me and is like, I want to announce that I'm coming back to MMA, right? To the UFC. Cool. Come on the show on Monday, right? That's a perfect place for it. Now, afterwards, I can write some thoughts about it on my Substack, but in terms of like the interview, that's the place for it, right? Um, if I find out if if Artem Lobov tells me he's retiring and doesn't really want to talk about it, like, oh, I have a place to write this. That's my Substack. If I want to write some thoughts on why I think John Jones should fight Francis Ngannou next and and not Ngannou Gan next, I have a place for that. That's my Substack. If I find out that Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes is off. I have a place for this, not my Substack, And I will write about it the same way I wrote about it for ESPN.com or MMAfighting.com in the past. Substack will be where all my writing is. But they have a lot of cool things there. You could do audio posts. You could do discussion threads. Really a lot of cool stuff that I'm excited to play around with. Um, so that will be the writing, the interviews, in-studio, weekly show, MMA hour, the pre- and post-fight shows, will be the Spotify shows, right? The stuff that I did on Green Room with Chuck Mindenhall and PT Carroll. So that, you know, Monday, Wednesday. Here's here's basically, I know I'm kind of going around in circles. Uh, this is like my prototypical week, right? Like this is a, 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 a typical week. Monday, MMA hour. Tuesday, most likely uh, I would um, 
record my interview for my Ariel Hawani show podcast for my YouTube. And that will come out Thursday mornings, Wednesday, MMA hour, Thursday, Hawani show podcast comes out. Also write for Substack Friday, Spotify pre-show Saturday night, Spotify pre-show and write for Substack and then Sunday book for the MA hour. So those, those are like the constants. And then the BT stuff will be a lot of, you know, on site. So SummerSlam, uh, boxing event, MMA event, but also the walk and talks that, that like sort of special featurey stuff, you know, go to Liverpool and hang out with Darren Till, go to Dublin and hang out with Connor, you know, that type of stuff. So it all kind of fits very perfectly. And I like that. There's no, Oh man, who's this going to go to? Uh, did I, did I like, is the Venn diagram too tight? Did I spread myself too thin? That, that again, going back to what I said earlier, I'm almost blown away that, you know, it all worked out like this. And also they all knew, you know, like everyone knew what I was doing and, talk, and no one put up a stink. No one put up a fight. No one said, I don't want you to work with those people. I don't want, though, no, that's a conflict. It was pretty remarkable how it all ended up working out. I just have a few more questions here. And these are kind of like media centric, uh, starting with, I mean, in the MMA space, like you, you're probably too humble to state this, but you have the biggest spotlight by leaps and bounds. But for the, the whole lead up to this, I mean, you're being covered, like your contract negotiations are being covered. Did you reach a place a long time ago where you can kind of just distance yourself from that? Or is that still like a, an uncomfortable feeling that suddenly I am the story here and whether where I go, where I stay, like this is news that the New York Post is following. Yeah, that was wild. And for the record, I had nothing to do with that. I have some uh, theories as to how that happened, but I'll keep that to myself. Um, yeah, that was wild. And like talking about my salary and stuff like that. Part of me was like, holy crap, I used to walk to the local depaneur next to my house to buy the New York Post in the 90s just so I can read about my beloved New York Knicks. And now the New York Post cares about what I'm doing next and calling me and all this stuff. That's wild. I do think a big portion of that, if I'm being totally honest, is they they are obsessed with the ESPN breakup, divorce, disgruntled, witness the fact. And I gave those same guys crap on the back end. Oh, you guys were so interested in me leaving ESPN and like the coming to the end of the era and the divorce and the the pay cut and all this stuff. You didn't really cover uh, where I landed so much. Weird, right? Like they care about the divorce, but not so much, you know, the next chapter. Because it's all about this thing with ESPN that they're so obsessed with. Um, There's is, a palace intrigue, I think, that comes with ESPN. Like it's this 100%. real life Game of Thrones that um, they're obsessed with it. The Norby, yeah. they talk about Nor like they talk about these guys like they're like cartoon characters or, 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 you know, villains in movies. And so whatever. So like, I, I guarantee you in three years when my contracts are up and I go, they're not going to care this much. At least I don't think. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was wild. It was also wild the day that I announced that I was, uh, you know, leaving, you know, I'll, I'll just be honest. Like I wanted to do it in a little bit of a different way. I wanted to say that I was leaving and say where I was going on the same day. Um, I think that that was leaked that I was leaving because I think it, you know, I think, uh, quite frankly, just being honest, I think they wanted to get ahead of it and, and, and not let people speculate as to why I was leaving. So they wanted to tell people that, oh, we made an offer to Ariel and he chose to go elsewhere as opposed to, you know, what, what's going on with this breakup. Most people don't leave after three years. Um, and so that was on a Sunday, totally ruined my Sunday. I had to post this video to explain. Um, and then even like later that day, 
a few of the outlets wrote that I was going somewhere else, which I wasn't going to. Uh, and this, that was weird um, that they got that completely wrong. But I guess it diverted everyone's attention because no one saw, you know, MMA fighting and all that BT and all that coming from a mile away. So that was fine with me. Uh, but yeah, it, w- it was a little bit weird. And, uh, you know, my friends would hit me up and my parents and all that stuff. But, you know, that stuff doesn't bother me as much. It's more the stuff like, you know, people talking about, my career, you know, like I, I, I can't believe, and I know this thing is going to take a life of its own over years and for years, like, I just can't believe that the UFC 199 thing continues to be uh, retold in a 100% inaccurate way. Like I saw, I saw someone uh, do a, a, a little rant on this recently um, saying that, you know, the reason why uh, the UFC doesn't like Ariel is because he was told backstage that Brock Lesnar was coming back and then there'll be an announcement. And then he went and wrote it up. And, uh, you know, he broke that agreement. That never happened. That's Well, well let's one- be honest. A huge voice uh, on a massive podcast put that out there. Yeah, and it's 100% it was inaccurate. inaccurate. Brendan Schaub is 100% inaccurate. And trust oh, me, I was, I was, resp- I was actually referring to Joe Rogan, but uh, there oh, you go. Well, like, well, well, Brendan Chubb gets his cues from Joe Rogan. Uh, it's a five-year-old lie. I responded to Joe Rogan on that day, and for some yeah. reason, Brendan is sitting there five years later after I've addressed this a gazillion times, saying, "Look, you know, he made his bed and he has to line it." That's not what happened. That is not what happened. Uh, I got it just like anyone gets any story sources, like actual you know, media person, that's what you do. And I report it, honestly, hand to God, I had no idea there was going to be an announcement that night. I didn't know when they were going to announce it. I just get this information the same way Woj gets information or Schefter or any reporter under any sun gets information. I report it. No one told me. You know how many times I've been told things off the record? You know how many times I've been told things in the vault, you can't repeat this? If I would have broken that trust once in my career, I'm done. You know what I mean? If someone would have told me that off the record, you know how many times I was told things off the record at Fox that I couldn't talk about and I didn't talk about and I you know, kept that promise? Of course I'm keeping that promise. Nothing is bigger than breaking someone's trust. Like You would never do that if you're a journalist that's worth his, his, his salt. So that did not happen. And it drives me nuts to hear people retell that story. A, so that didn't happen. And then you know, while we're addressing it, like, and then, he, and then he sits on his chair and he's like, I've heard from a million people in the industry that Ariel's the worst to work with and he's a nightmare behind the scenes. And like, you know, you could say what you want about me as a, as a, as a reporter. You could talk about my salary. You could talk about me in New York Post. But like that, that actually like hurts my heart because I've really tried to help a lot of people. I've really tried to be the best teammate possible. I've tried to be loyal. And I think most people would vouch for that that I've worked with. I'm pretty sure I know where that's coming from, but to sit there and say that about someone is completely irresponsible and really unfair. Um, I would love for him to say any of that to my face. Uh, and, and by the way, I mean, just very two-faced and, and very, very disappointing to hear that. Uh, I have really, really tried to be a great teammate and to help people and to prop others up and to be a part of a team. I don't want to go solo. I mean, one of the main things one of the main things I wanted to do when I left ESPN was like to try to help other people. So I chose, just being honest, I chose the Spotify piece of the puzzle because I could work with PT and Chuck. There was another thing that I was considering and they just wanted me. And I was like, no, I want to go where I can maybe help my friends. So like, th- anyway, I'm I'm sort of diverting here, but like 
So that the reason I bring this up is like when I hear lies, that pisses me off. When I hear, you know, Luke Thomas say that I try to, you know, sabotage him on the MMA hour and stuff like that, that pisses me off because that never happened. I never told a soul not to go on that show on my life. We're on at the same time. And if you both reach out to Demetrius Johnson and he wants to go on one show over the other, that's not on me. That's just going head to head with someone. I never, ever, ever on my life told someone not to go. And he continues to repeat this lie and other stuff. Like I have no issues with, I think he does a great job as a journalist. I have no beef with him at all. And so when I see people make up lies, that drives me nuts. It really does. It, it, it doesn't drive me nuts. It, it's, um, it's disappointing. It's a bummer. But when I see people talk about my career, like you, you take that as a compliment. People care and, and that's that. I mean, I can just say for myself, like I, I, you and I've never technically worked together, but you have, you know, privately helped me out during some, you know, difficult parts of my career. Um, just have always responded to me and given me, honestly, like a lot of great advice over the years. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's just like you, you sit there and you listen to this guy who I've hardly interacted with say that he's heard from a million people <laughs> that I'm a nightmare to work with backstage. Like I would, I would beg him to actually call the people that I worked with at any spot, anywhere, Fox, Vox, ESPN, and ask them if I was a nightmare. Ask them what kind of a colleague I was, a teammate. Not people who were trying to, you know, stab me in the back. Not people who were trying to take my job. Like my actual real teammates and colleagues and friends. Ask them what kind of a teammate I was or am. Um, so that stuff pisses me off. That stuff's a bummer. Um, but the stuff about like, oh, where's he going? This and that, like, uh, you know, I just try to, you know, I, I, it gives you anxiety and it makes you like a little bit flustered, but then you're like, Hey, you know, 10 years ago, no one cared about me. So, you know, maybe this is a sign that I'm doing things right. We'll end off on this as you are uh, entering all these different chapters. Um, and I hope you can appreciate that when I have reached out to you for these interviews, I'm, I'm subtly trying to assist you that when you do highway to Helwani. Oh yeah. We're, we're kind of doing the audio version here at these key moments of your career. So a year removed, where, where are you hopeful that, that things are uh, by summer of 2022? Are you looking at any certain goals that you are looking to achieve is simply uh, having an independent voice, uh, happiness, uh, yeah. more balanced lifestyle. Is that kind of the goal or do you have maybe more specifics than that? Yes, and I appreciate the uh, the audio component to all of this because uh, I have a friend who like is constantly bothering me. His name is Jason about like writing notes for Highway to Hawani, so I don't forget all this stuff. Because I could tell you what, man, I could write a book. I could write nine chapters on the ESPN <laughs> era uh, alone, um, but I just don't want to. I don't know why. But Highway to Hawani is going to be sick. I can't wait for that. So thank you for this. Um, no, I just want, like, I just kind of want to land the plane here and I want to get in a groove. I'm really excited about the fact, by the way, that, you know, other than BT right now, um, and it's fun stuff, right? Like, I'm pumped to go to SummerSlam. I've never covered a WWE event. I have no idea. I need tips from you. Like, I was asking one of the guys there, it's like, is there a fight week schedule? Like, what am I doing there? I don't it's even much know. It's different. Yeah it's, yeah. it's it's very different to go. Like, I have... Like WrestleMania is kind of different where there's a lot of events going on. But the thing for me always with like a WrestleMania was you're there in the press box, but it's not like you have 
access right you know it's unless like espn was on site there and they'd have the talent funneling in but media it's like you're just there to pretty much do your work and watch the show and over the years i was kind of like i i don't know if i'm getting as much like there's the live element to being here but in terms of like actual interviews and stuff like that i mean it's it's completely different than you know being on site for a ufc event yeah and there's no i think they've dabbled with the press conference but i think they like did a pre-event which makes no sense to me um i would say like as a like i i i've enjoyed when you guys went to wrestlemania and you do like the daily shows you're in yeah your car or whatever so Those, i think there's an element yes. there's, there's a benefit to that you're on site you're running into people um Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but like I feel like it's more about the pre-fight or the the pre-event than the the post-event for those. Like you know, I know they'll have some sort of media availability. I don't know what to expect, but I'm excited. It'll be nice to be back in Vegas. A little bit worried about the rise and of cases and all that, but I'm going to be very um, I'm going to be very careful. And um, I I just I just uh, you know so other than the BT stuff that I'm doing, there's not a lot of travel, which I'm very excited about. I don't feel like I need to be at every event like I was, you know, in the past. Um, I think that I could do better work at times away. And uh, I'm just hoping that, you know, it all kind of fits and uh, MMA Hour is back to where it was. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. And, and, and just like everything just kind of hums along, right? Like it just, it all just kind of feels good. And then you hit that word. Like, I just want to be happy. I, I just, you know, that was the main thing towards the end of my time at ESPN. Like, I, I just want to work with people who are friends, who have my back, and I'll have their back, and we're we're all just enjoying the job. Like, we get to cover MMA for the most part for a living. Like, this is a crazy world. This is an amazing job. There should not be stress and anxiety. Of course, like day to day, there's always stuff, but like this should be fun. This should be a joy. Um, and I just want to get back to that. And and I want to get back to doing shows without literal and figurative voices in my head not telling me about, don't say this, don't say that. Don't, like, you, you know what that's like to do a show like that? Don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. This has to come out because you said that. Like, that's not what I signed up for. So I'm excited about sitting in front of a microphone in an actual studio, no longer on Zoom, and saying what I want. And when I say what I want, I don't mean, you know, being careless. I don't mean being unfair. That's never been me. But just talking about whatever I want and not worrying about that stuff being edited or that stuff, you know, getting a call later. Oh, you you upset. Like, I just want to do the job. I just want to cover the sport like everyone else covers. This There's sport. no price you can put on that, Ariel, of just oh. having the ability that you are not in need of anyone. Like, it's yeah. um, that's you can put no no price on that at all. Yeah. So I obviously uh, wish you all the best uh, entering into this next chapter. It all begins Monday, 1 Eastern, back at MMAfighting.com. It's going to be a uh, quite the visual to see Ariel opening up the show in wow. that studio. We got the, t- the promo tease, uh, but it all drops on Monday. And of course, uh, you can follow his YouTube channel that is growing at an absurd rate. Uh, God knows what... Uh, brand new interviews are going to bring to it because it's already growing pretty well right now by just uh, giving us updates on your life. Then you've got, (laughs) uh, you're going to be doing podcasts with the ringer on Spotify. You can check that out. BT sport coverage for SummerSlam. Yes. It's all coming together. Okay. I'll ask you prediction. Yes. Prediction. Um, Who do you predict will be on the first episode? 
Of the MMA hour. Okay. Yeah. Give me four names. Four names. And, oh and, my and honestly, like you, you, you want to, you know, like you don't want to say LeBron James, right? Like you want, it has no, to be. No, I'm, I'm, okay. I, I'm going to just throw out four and I have it's absolutely so no knowledge of this. Of course. I'm going to say Francis Ngannou. Okay. I am going to say, hmm, this is, I'll go Anderson Silva. Okay. Okay. He was what, episode three, it was episode 200 or 300 that I remember where you just stacked it with the champions and that was an Anderson Silva appearance. That's a good good memory. I'll, I'll put those two together. Let's just fantasy book here. Okay. Anderson Silva's on the show and then suddenly we get the bleed over. Anderson, say hello to George St. Pierre, who we're about to go to uh, uh, that's right good, now. That's good, that's good. Silva versus uh, George St. Pierre, the fight we never got. It happens on the MMA hour. And then we're going to round it out with Nick Khan to preview uh, SummerSlam this wow. Saturday in that's his home show. of Las Vegas, Nevada. That's a great show. That's a great show. All right. We'll, we'll find out. Okay. Monday, so, August 16th. And shout out to the great. Are, are we going to get the guest lineup? Are we going to get the traditional Sunday guest drop lineup on Twitter? Okay. Oh, you know what? You were asking me about like less stress. One thing that I'll be doing that will take off. Eliminate that. No. So it will be, it will be the morning of now. It will be Monday morning, Wednesday morning. Why? Because I used to put all this pressure on myself to have it done by Sunday at two or three. I'm like, there's still like nine hours in the day. Why do I have to have this out by Sunday? So Monday morning, Wednesday morning, so you wake up, you'll know who's on the show, and it won't just be me tweeting the names. Our good mutual friend, the great, the inimitable, the often imitated, never duplicated, Roberts Pearson. Going to be in that process. Robert Pearson. There yeah. I say, uh, post-wrestling's own Robert Pearson. Yeah. I mean, I, mean <laughs> I, I think he's everyone's own at this point. I mean, the guy is just the, the just... The, the invisible hand when it comes he's to wrestling. He's the Al Heyman of podcasts. Yes. He's the Al Heyman of podcasts. But I'm, you know, I'm such a bad dude that like, you know, when I left ESPN, I left him in the dust. Uh, so I didn't, uh, you know, I, I didn't uh, bring him along with me. So, you know. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the post hour is up. The man said, I got to be out at noon, 1159. Look at this guy. Here. John Pollock wrapping things up. You no, know I have to be off at noon. Where are you off to at noon? I have to talk to my therapist. <laughs> Maybe that'll be a guest on Monday. That that should be the first YouTube show. My therapist actually helped me figure out this whole thing. Like without her, I won't say her name. Shout out to her. Like that was a huge thing. If anyone is out there struggling, honestly, and feels like, I don't know, I don't want to talk. Like it helped me. It helped bring so much clarity to my brain to figure out what I wanted. So Morrow's our friend. He's talked about this way more than I ever will. But like, I couldn't, I couldn't vouch for it more. That is a, a tremendous message uh, to end things off with. Ariel, uh, thank you so much. You're always just so gracious with your time coming to uh, to chat with us, uh, even though I am overusing my privileges in 2021. Yeah, that's but it. it's been one of those years. It's been a big year for Ariel Hawani. And big things to come. I'll talk to you in January.